Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Graphic Word Podcast, here to connect nerd culture to faith and leveling up our lives as we go about it. Thanks for tuning in, and here's what we have in store for you today. Today's level up chat, we're going to be diving into what on earth is identity. And this is a big, you know, big topic today. There's a lot of things going on. Um, and asking that kind of question of like, who am I? What am I about? What What is even me? And so I want to dive into this into a way that's nerdy and direct, but also like, how do we find that answer? Where, where do we get that answer in our questions and affiliations and stuff like that? Um, so we're going to be looking at, first of all, three iconic heroes. Everyone get, <gasps> no, I'm kidding. Um, so <laughs> the first one, uh, I got to I got to rep, I got to rep hard because he's my man. He's amazing. And I got, I got, I got to bring up the scripture dive. There we go. It's my man, Nightwing. Okay. Like I got a tattoo, uh, on this guy, uh, always a constant reminder of like what young leadership can look like the integrity of young leadership um if you've been reading anything lately in dc that's been just coming out yo nightwing's even bigger than what he was even before okay so like nightwing's a big name in dc comics but now he's even bigger and i'm not going to give the spoiler alert if you want to find that out you got to do some uh deep diving uh specifically this issue, uh, Nightwing issue 100. Whew. Oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, he's been great in Dark Crisis. 100%, Solomon. 100%. Like, oh man, this is this is the time Nightwing shines. Um, sorry, I, I need to behave. But if we want to talk about identity, we want to talk about development of identity and, and working through on that Nightwing is a great first basis to kind of work that out. And and the reason why is of how he develops. But let let again, the idea of identity, right? It's an association that you are making either towards someone or something. Uh, that can be ideals, it can be values, it can be a uh, connection to someone. Again, that's why I said someone. Um, and typically we, we do identity off of the things that we got. So like my my natural <laughs> response to my identity is I'm a nerd. And if you couldn't tell with my Darth Vader um, <laughs> shirt repping hard, um, I, I'm a nerd. It, it, my MHA hat, nerd. Uh, like there's tons of things that are nerd stuff. But we, we often just associate even our job is who we are and stuff like that. Um, the, the kind of people that we want to hang around with, that's how we often affiliate and stuff like that. And that can be good in some ways in that it gives you something to, to strive for and to go for. But if it doesn't really line up to to an inner nature that, that's going on, and I, I say an inner nature because there's some stuff that you got to wrestle with and who you are personally – in order to engage then who you either become or who you choose to be. And and that's been a hard thing. Usually for nerds, that's a really hard thing, right? Because you, you kind of have a negative association to your identity, right? Like nerds are gamers and they just spend all their life in 
a basement hold up doing nothing or um nerds are all about stupid useless information that has no impact in life and stuff like that there's an affiliation and connection to that identity that can have a lot of negativity that if you just hold on to that it can really add some negative effects so but anywho we're, we're gonna dive in case by case and looking at three guys and then we're gonna go into a biblical understanding of what identity is off of four different characters or four different people in the bible uh and then we're gonna have our level up challenge so first one is nightwing obviously uh nightwing if you don't know who nightwing is you need to pick up some comics and you need to do some reading because he's pretty awesome in my personal opinion favorite superhero um goes from orphan to sidekick right so like kid who's part of this traveling trapeze family uh who's doing these amazing performances parents die because a punk was uh looking for insurance money didn't get it and so ends up uh killing his parents really sad really brutal situation then uh he's taken in by bruce wayne aka batman and is his ward uh because he feels bad he was at the performance where his parents died then you know, he takes on the mentality uh, of becoming the first Robin that you ever see in comics, which is really cool. Um, but the really cool thing off of it is that, you know, he discovered Batman and, and then he, he gets brought in. And so Batman in training Dick Grayson, Richard Grayson, uh, into becoming Robin was helping pushing his identity expression of anger frustration looking for justice looking to stop the cruelty that's going on in the world around him and then he gets older and he starts kind of looking at what batman's doing and he's kind of like batman you got a whole lot of angst you're a little too hardcore you're a little too uh too too much anger issues dude and you're not really dealing with things the right way and batman is hurt and his brokenness which that's batman to the to his core is his broken nature and um he then basically gives nightwing the boot so for a time or uh nightwing uh dick grayson uh aka robin the boot out of the Batcave. And so then he's kind of left with, like, well, what do I do? Like, I still want to fight for what's right, but I don't want to be with Batman because, you know, Batman doesn't do the things the way I think they should be done. And, and so he actually, uh, in his wandering about, has a meetup with Superman. And Superman's talking with Dick on this hero that's from krypton that he used to hear as a kid and his name was nightwing and he was kind of like uh a symbol of peace and a, a symbol that would bring hope to people on krypton and inspire and he's just like yo i know my new name i know how i'm gonna do things so this is how he becomes nightwing is off of a kryptonian superhero and you see that how like he's forming his own identity to the point where now like you know if you if you've been reading rebirth nightwing doesn't just come at the beck and call of batman yes he's part of the bat family as it is and stuff like that but nightwing chooses to focus his energy on a different city than gotham 
he uh, in in Rebirth he's focusing on Bloodhaven, which is like a really rough spot too. Like Gotham's rough, but like Bloodhaven is like where the trash gets left. Essentially, is the the kind of vibe of it. And Nightwing is in the process of just trying to help the people there, trying to make a change that if he figures, if he can make a difference here and help the people there, man, like imagine what we can do elsewhere. Imagine how that impact can go. And you're actually seeing this happen in not just in confronting bad guys, but like past bad guys and um, even getting some people like Huntress involved or, um, uh, Batgirl, aka Oracle, involved in helping in that process, and he's like, he's stepping out in a big way. Um, but not only is he like soloing as a hero, he's becoming more of a family man, and I, I've appreciated this more in like animated uh, episodes. I really appreciated uh, Robin's, which was a great story that really emphasized the heart of. Uh, Dick Grayson being like the oldest child because like he does get adopted by Bruce Wayne and is officially known as Bruce's son by adoption but like him taking on that mantle then with uh, Jason Todd aka Red Hood uh, with Tim Drake aka Red Robin or just uh, yeah Red Robin Uh, and then with Damian Wayne who by all means is the rightful and legitimate heir to Bruce Wayne, um, the current Robin, like he, he he's mentoring, he's helping, he's trying to process with them, work things out. And of course he kind of works alongside a little bit more with Tim because it's a little bit more logical, but like he's hitting on so many other levels. And so now Nightwing isn't even just a solo hero to even to the point where Batman looks at Nightwing as what Batman really should have been. And you see that in the Cape and Cowl. It's a fantastic series. It's so good. Um, but he is also a brother. He's a family man. He's a he's a person that cares about those intimately around him, will take time, break his back for them, and invest in that. And, and that's what makes Nightwing stand out even more in his identity from what Batman is. He's Batman, but with a heart. He's Batman with with a drive to remember, I can be fighting the good fight, but I need to remember the fight starts with where I am as a person and then the people around me and who I'm, who I'm asking to partner with me in fighting this as well and keeping that connection there and keeping that investment. Beautiful. So, okay, that's Nightwing. Nerded out a lot right there. Okay, second one. My main man, I got I got a rep, okay? And this is all because of the current MHA stuff. Fantastic. By the way, I do have an art piece coming up uh, eventually for Deku, uh, and I'm hoping to get that out for you guys soon to see. Um, would love input, or if you have anyone that you think could really use that encouragement, and it's uh, actually on our first level of talk that we're doing, uh, or that we did way back when, uh, talking about how do we level up in life. But, okay, Izuku Midoriya, a.k.a. Deku. Another fantastic anime to check out. We could we could be talking about anime all day long. But what I love about Deku is that he's he really is the average nerd. <laughs> he, 
He he reps nerds so well. He's hyper passionate over stuff that like anyone else could just be like, oh, like you know, whatever. Who gives a rip? Especially when he doesn't have powers on his own. Like the the guy legitimately had no hope to become a hero. Look at this guy. Look at him. He's Poindexter. And like. There was no point for him to even study, learn, assess, other than to just be a fanboy. And he wants to be this hero, but he has no superpower. And even when he talks to All Might, when he gets the opportunity after he's being saved, asking All Might, is there any chance of me being a hero? All Might's like, I'm going to be honest with you, kid. No, because you don't have any quirk. You don't have a superpower. So, like, bummer. But when he saves Bakugo, and like, well, doesn't even fully save, he fights. And that's what causes All Might to step in to save somebody. It's All Might that goes, you got something that I didn't have in that kid. You stepped out, even if it meant risking your life, even if it put you in danger, you were willing to do anything to help that person. And so that's where he then is given this ultimate gift of one for or uh all for uh, one for all one for all there we go he's given the great gift of one for all and, and being this ninth successor of one for all um it's just absolutely nuts and so then he's trying to hone this in power and and trying to figure this out and you see him like kind of doing math he's murmuring and i love the murmuring because that's what a ton of nerds do i know i do it so i i, I relate hard to deku but he, he takes he takes a moment and, and my favorite moment probably in all the series isn't just when he he's he's shown at his heart and what he does in connecting with all might but what he does in his fight with uh when they're doing the test play of him and uraraka versus uh ida and bakugo and you know ida and bakugo are the villains and deku and uraraka are the heroes and they're trying to stop this bomb but they have to also take down the villains and all this kind of stuff like that and bakugo is not letting up man like, he, he's seen this guy in class. He He's like, man, you're just like a friggin' nerd. You don't have any powers. Where is this coming from? I'm just going to squash this dream that you might have. I'm going to bring reality down on you hard. And he was the one who gave Zuku Midoriya the nickname Deku. And Deku in Japanese actually means, like, useless. Like, he he's not even saying that, oh, you're just, like, some stupid nerd. No, like... You're useless. Like, why are you even here? Why do you even try? Why do you even figure, like, try and go about things? My favorite moment is when Deku throws down Bakugo in the middle of the fight because he's watched Bakugo fight and how he does things. Brings him down. And he's almost, like, getting wrecked. And Deku's, <laughs> Deku's line is, Deku will be the name of a hero. It will will be it will mean the name of a hero, and in its actual Japanese form, it was not that kind of idea. The push that he's going is, it will no longer mean useless. It will mean I can do it. That I I will make it happen. That I will determine. I will push. I will drive. 
and that becomes later on when they're trying to figure out what kind of superhero name are we are we going to be giving ourselves for in the future when we do become iconic heroes and he just goes deku and you're kind of like what the heck man it's like no because back in that moment he said i'm gonna make this the name of a hero that though you may hear useless i'm gonna show you i can do it and that just oh, sends shivers down my spine. It's like a hardcore nerding out moment that I love. Woo! Gets me amped. I, I almost cry every time I watch it because like I'm like ready to punch and be like, dude, I get it. I understand. I hear you. But that's enough of me, Wilson, going into sad stories and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and then finally, finally, and this is the other part of the Bat family. So you gotta you got to work with me here, guys. So this is Red Hood. Red Hood, by there are some people that are really into it. My brother is actually really into Red Hood. And it's kind of like that brokenness nature. Um, it, it's really cool. He is an interesting guy, right, Solomon? Like, good choice. I, thank you. Um, but there's this nature in him that you, you kind of can re relate if you're broken. There's this nature of identity of, like, man, when things are going wrong... Maybe I still have hope. And, and I'll, I'll elaborate on this. So I would say Red Hood, in shortest definition, is the broken Robin. So he, he's the second. Um, oh, yeah, Solomon, you love uh, Red Hood. Good. Awesome. Appreciate that. And um, you can call me out if I'm wrong on this, then Solomon and stuff like that. Um, but Red Hood... I would say is the hardened and broken Robin because he came from the streets. He wasn't some circus performer like Dick Grayson. He wasn't just some smart, rich kid like Tim Drake. He wasn't some entitled, trained assassin like Damien. No, this was, this was essentially a person that Batman could see himself fighting when he's older. When, if that... If he didn't tap into the time of investing in Jason, a.k.a. Red Hood, who or he would later become Red Hood, if he didn't invest in him, then he would likely be another villain that he'd have to deal with. And so you see Batman take him on and trying to train him, using that aggression to fight evil and, and to take it out, but... It's just not enough. And under the Red Hood series, it was a fantastic series you need to be reading to really get into this identity of who who Jason Todd is and how that's about. Um, but when, when you have Batman taking that time and, like, they get split in the hunt of trying to find Joker and Jason finds, well, Jason gets trapped by Joker and then Joker beats him within an inch of his life. This is why, like, later on, you see Red Hood wielding a crowbar. It's kind of like a daily reminder of that. It's a reminder of the brokenness that he's got, and he's using that brokenness as a weapon. Oh, it's... Oh, the, the depth. But not only does he get wrecked, he actually gets killed. And actually, that was a fan-based vote, which is really kind of eerie. Um, but the Joker kills jason todd and for the longest time he's just been dead but that was a reminder and a fear then that batman would not take on another robin he wouldn't like this was his uh 
reluctance toward taking on Tim Drake because of what he saw happen with Red with uh uh sorry with Jason Todd was that he died. And so then he's brought into the Lazarus pit, he kind of loses his mind, but then he looks at I need to finish crime off the way it should be done, which is essentially like the Punisher. Red Hood is almost equivalent to the Punisher in the DC universe where he's just like evil's gotta be sniped and red hood it's specifically is like i'll let you guys live if you don't deal with kids because the rest of them are scum so like scum will deal with scum but if you deal with kids no you're dead like you are dead to me and i you're seeing this vigilante justice and him pushing back against Batman and this brokenness and identity of like, I'm going to do it better than Batman because Batman wasn't willing to do what he needed to do, which was to kill the Joker. He let the Joker off so many times that like, it's just nuts. And so he saw this brokenness of like, was I not enough that you would turn, you wouldn't even turn to killing because he killed me. I thought you would have cared enough that you would have started dealing with the crime the way you should have, which is killing the bad guys. And you hear that brokenness. Because he sees himself as, am I worthless? Am I just discarded? Like, what was the point in training me if you weren't going to protect me, if you weren't going to be there for me, if we, if you weren't going to be a partner alongside me? And it... Oh, so good. So, um, but then what I love is... After a time, yeah, he is a villain. And even for a time, he takes on the mantle to try and really show Batman unhinged. And that was another part of the uh, the fight for the cowl. That you see really the heart behind what's going on with Red Hood. Is he, He's just trying to figure out how to redeem something that, that's gone wrong. And so even with him taking on the mantle of Red Hood, yeah, at first was a villain plight. Like, you see that. And Red Hood was originally the Joker disguised to rob a bank and stuff like that. And it became a thing that there were the Red Hood gang and stuff like that. But Jason's taking it in Red Hood and kind of flipping that evil to good. It's This name was originally affiliated with evil. No, now I'm... I'm going to make this different. I'm going to be the edgy member of the Bat family. And, like, Damian Wayne's already edgy. So, like, Red Hood, <laughs> we, we have, like, edgy light uh, compared to Damian some days. Um, but, but Red Hood is willing to, to take that name, flip it over, that becomes a name that's redeemed. That, you see, he, he has the Bat family emblem, the Bat emblem on his chest. He's affiliating himself with, I want to be a part of this, this movement of change, this movement of of protection, this movement of righting the wrongs, but I am going to do it on my terms. I am going to be a little bit rougher. And he's part of that Bat family. And you see Jason, Jason Todd... Is almost kind of like the Raphael. If, if you were to translate TMNT to uh, to the Bat family, I guarantee you he'd be Raphael. He, he's the guy with the edge, but you know that he cares a ton. Like, if he heard that Dick was 
down and out, he would fight for him. If he heard Damien, the most annoying member of the Bat family, in my opinion, he would fight tooth and nail for them. Even with Tim, who he, at the court, completely disagrees with. He would do anything for that family member. Because that is Red Hood. It's all or nothing in his identity. And it's kind of beautiful and scary all at the same time. So, those are some guys of, like, developing identity over time. And, and some of it, like Red Hood, it's more consistent that that's just kind of his nature. But you see the development that's going on with Nightwing from being this kooky guy who's on trapeze to Big Bro, who's now major member of the Bat family and solo hero in his own right, to Deku, Quirkless Kid had no hope and dream to being a hero, to being prepped to become the next greatest, the number one hero, which he, that's how the anime starts off. He becomes the number one hero. So how does this relate to then the Bible? How, how do we get connected with this? So there's a few spots I want, I want to dive in with you. So first spot, if you want to follow along, is in Genesis uh, chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. I'm going to summarize this very quickly. So this is Jacob. If you know who Jacob is in the Bible, Jacob is uh, the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham. You may have heard the song, Father Abraham and many sons and many... Okay, sorry. That was Sunday School shout out back to, to you guys there. Um, anywho, he's the third generation. He's the grandson of uh, Abraham. Jacob, in his own title, means heel catcher. And, and when you read about that, and you may just go, okay, that's weird. And it makes sense because he grabbed onto his brother's heel when he gets pulled out uh, from mom when they're in birth and stuff like that. But it means something more. And then actually in Hebrew, it's kind of like you're, you're a deceptive one. You're a trickster. You're, you're a sly one. And it was uh, part of prophecy that was on him was that he would be higher than his older brother which obviously creates dissension between brothers you know especially if you're the oldest you're like uh, i'm amazing i was out here first i'm smartest and uh deal with it um but kid brother outwitting and that's very much the thing that's going on with jacob throughout the whole story of jacob it's all about wits tact and really kind of finding loopholes and his brother Esau, whom after like a period of time, like Esau was ready to kill him because he took his birthright, took his, uh, took his role as the eldest, like the blessing of the eldest, which basically meant soon as Isaac dies, Jacob takes on everything. Yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't feel good, especially with that being baby bro versus like what was supposed to happen was oldest bro was supposed to be getting that. So anywho, Esau and his crew are like getting close to Jacob and Jacob's freaking out to the point where he's like sending his family out ahead and sending some gifts and be like, yo, like, uh, let's just make sure me and Esau are good before I meet him. Maybe, maybe he uh, won't kill me. Like he promised he was going to when I peaced out from home. So he's up all night and he's freaking out about this. And it says during the night, uh, this is in 22 during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, servants, wives and sent them over the Jebuk River. Um, 
This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man, this is in verse 24, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. So first of all, hokey snap, this dude was in a wrestling match all night. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, I've done, like, I've done wrestles, I've done competitions with guys in five minutes. I am, like, winded, dude. Like, I, I need a breather, I need to sit off the side, I need to not go... <gasps> Like, sound like I'm asthmatic or something like that. It's it's brutal. But when we were seeing this, Jacob fought all night with this guy. And they were, like, evenly matched. It was weird. And it was to the point where Jacob finally had an advantage over this guy. And he, he's like, hey, man. Hey, man. Uh, I need your blessing. Like, I'm not going to let you go until you have my blessing. And this guy's like, yo, man, like, just, it's already daytime. Like, look. We've been fighting all night. Can we just, like, we're going to stop. And he's like, no, no, not until you bless me. And so the guy asks this question. Verse 27, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. And then Jacob's like, yo, please tell me your name. He's like, why do you want my name? The guy says, May blessed Jacob. Oh, and then after he walks away, talks about how he, uh, out, sorry, that's in 25. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Yo, like, so here's the thing. There's this, this really cool th thought. And I actually, I would tend to agree on this. This is what's called a, a theophany. Uh, it's where Jesus may have showed up in the old Testament. And there are some people that contend that, you know, maybe Jesus actually did this. Because he later on calls the place where he wrestled with this Peniel, which means face of God. Because he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. So the thought is that maybe Jacob was wrestling with Jesus. And, and Jesus is like, oh man, like, what the, uh, come on. And so it like pops him in the hip. And this is why actually the Jewish people would not eat the meat around the hip bone as a, as a reminder of that kind of, of that scenario, a reminder of like their identity. But it's interesting. God changes his identity from being kind of like deceiver trickster to one who wrestles, who's contending, who's figuring out, who's processing, who's pushing and driving. And the interesting thing that comes out of that is, so he's called Israel, but then his family after that, which now we have the Israelites, that name is carried on. And you see it all throughout the Old Testament that that's the wrestling of the of the Israelites, the Jewish people. Is They, they are kind of in contention with God at times. They're wrestling, oh God, like what do you mean with this? Oh, well, yeah, no, I'll work with you. No way I won't. No way I will. No way I won't. And there's this natural contention that's going on there. So that becomes part of their identity. And it, it's passed on. And you see this as kind of like a moment where God is identifying what's going to be happening in the future. Let's hop on to the next part. Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, and we're looking at specifically verses 4 to 19. But just to give you an idea, Jeremiah is this young dude, likely a teenager. Excuse me. Uh, sorry. Yeah. During, uh, sorry, that's the 13th year of the, rank, the king. But like from what we can tell scripturally... Jeremiah was a young dude, and he, he's of a priestly connection, and there's some stuff that's going to be thrown down heavy. 
This is the, during the time when prophets were talking about exile. And, well, the unpopular ones were talking about exile. The other ones, the favorite ones, were like, no, 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 there's no exile. God, this is, we're God's people. We're always going to have this. God will defend us. And then, well, what happens later on? You can check it out in Jeremiah. Yeah, they got, they, they got ransacked and then they got thrown into exile. And Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. But this is the call out for Jeremiah. So when he is a teenager, right, he gets this message from God. And this is verse 4. The Lord gave me this message. Verse 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. It's like, oh, snap. Dang, that's intense. So then what does Jeremiah say? Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. Huh. Then this is what God throws down. Verse 7, the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched Jeremiah's mouth, said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. <laughs> so then after this is is some uh, foretelling of what's going to be going on, which is going to be the judgment that's going to be raining down on people, which is really kind of sucky. Specifically, he's telling them where from the north and stuff like that, that this is what's going to be happening. He, he's going he's gonna to be truthful in all he's saying. But this is what I... Uh, this is the affirmation from God, okay? Because, like, uh, this is this is the affirmation that's going on. Because in the midst of it is all judgment, right? It's like, yo, get ready. Things are coming at you guys hard here in, in, in um, I believe it was in Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem. Get ready. Things are going to suck. But this is what I, I love. Uh, this is in verse 18 and 19. And, and this is actually where I've had some uh, I've had some strong life verse connection in here. So 18 and 19. For see today I have made you strong. Like a fortified city that cannot be captured. Like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. So what, Jeremiah, kid, just kind of doing his thing. God shows up. Hey, you're going to be my prophet. You're going to be my spokesperson. Whatever I say through you, it's going to happen. Um, my words are in your mouth. Uh, that's in verses 9 and 10 here. Like, you are now appointed to stand up against nations and kingdoms. You must uproot and tear down. Uh, some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. He's giving him identity. He God is affirming who he is. Even in verse 5, he's talking about, I set you aside for this. This is what you are going to be known for. This is who you are connected to, a.k.a. Hi, 
I, if I gave you that identity. So this is two instances where God has done that, right? God has given that identity, that affirmation of who they are supposed to be. And, you know, sometimes your identity is not necessarily something you're comfortable with. Specifically, Jeremiah, he's like, oh, I'm too young to do that. It's like, Psh, nope, not a thing. Moses was the same thing. He's like, I can't word thing do bad. And, and God's like, uh, I can, I can fix that. Uh, don't, don't you go tell me what you can or cannot do. I'm the one that tells you what you can or cannot do, but because you're pushing on this fine, you know what? We're going to have Aaron as your spokes dude, but you and me, we're going to keep up this conversation. That's the thing about it, right? Like God is giving these identities, these focuses and development. Let's hop on over to then Jesus, because, you know, we're supposed to model after Jesus. We're supposed to understand how this goes. And this is where I found it interesting. Uh, and I've always heard this, and I've seen this in kids' uh, dramatizations about Jesus and, and, like, the identity that's been given by the angel Gabriel and stuff like that. But they usually identify it to Mary. And this is not right. And so this kind of bothers me. So if you want to follow along, uh, it's Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. So this is when, you know, this is before Jesus is going to be born. This is where Mary's already uh, received word from the angel that, you know, she's going to have a baby and she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And of course, in that culture, you're pregnant outside of even getting married you kind of were doing something else and to go, oh, well, you know, God did it. And it's just like, ah, that doesn't work for an, an excuse. Like it wouldn't work even now and stuff like that. But in this case, it was legitimate. And so Joseph's trying to be a good man, honoring Mary and trying to not divorce in a public way, because if he does that, then that means they're going to execute her. Like they're, they're going to actually stone her because doing that was punishable via death, according to the Old Testament laws. And he's just like, holy snap like this is intense like god's not even getting out to do the work at this point anywho so this is what this is while joseph is working on figuring out what do i do how, how do i go about this so verse 20 uh sorry matthew chapter 1 verses 20 to 23 as he considered this this is joseph an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream joseph son of david the angel said do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So, reaffirming Mary's story. Yo, Mary's story, legit. Holds up. So, keep on going. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Verse 22 and 23. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet in 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Right there, two major identifiers of who the heck Jesus is and how he did things in life, in his ministry, that you have to contend and accept because otherwise Jesus is just a really nice dude who got killed by a corrupt system which is you know also true but it's not the full spectrum it's not the full picture of what's going on when jesus hears this story and i i'll appreciate this off of joseph's the one that's given this 
because Joseph has to take this all in and he has to make that commitment that he's going to invest that time with Mary. He's he's making the decision. Now I am the father who is helping raise this Messiah. So I better instill this. I better encourage this in him. And I have no doubt that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. He knows this and stuff like that. But part of that process would have been Joseph and Mary talking through the circumstances of how he's even there, what his purpose is for, that he he's different. And this has been happening through an angelic meeting with the both of them, which is absolutely nuts. Um, it's just crazy that that even was a thing. Um, but he has a purpose, that he's there to save people from their sins, which is like, whoa, like, I thought that's only what God can do. But this is where the Holy Spirit's doing something different. And then again, his, people will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. And you saw that moving because later on in the New Testament, you'd always hear Paul be like, yo, we had the example of God with us. You you see what it's like to be 100% man. Like Jesus was living 100% man, but 100% God. He is the walking embodiment of what God would look like walking amongst us. He, he is the embodiment of what it looks like to look at the face of God. Does he feel compassion? Does he feel angry over these things? What does he do? And this is the big thing. This is Jesus' main identifier. And you see that when he's carrying it on that I am the father and he is with me, right? Like they are connected and affiliated. We've talked about that in John 17. Two and one are the same. They are invested. And then the Holy Spirit is acting in that too and confirming and empowering and keeping all this in succession of like, he has a mission, he has a goal. He has, he has a purpose to it. So that's, how Jesus was affiliated and probably hearing that from his father, but also hearing that from his heavenly father. And so that's where you saw the identification when Jesus is baptized, he hears from father, this is my son in whom I am pleased. The Holy Spirit's on him, which is another identity factor. We talked about that uh, last week. We we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So that's the other thing. Finally, Finally, and, and we got to wrap this up soon. Wilson's doing a lot of talking. But here, here, here's the other part. And this is, you can you can check that out in Paul, uh, or uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And Paul's writing to the Philippians and, and really kind of helping them remember, you know, what, what what's the, the value in connecting with Christ? What, what what's, the, what's the connection in knowing Christ, right? And all throughout this, he, he's processing what the church is struggling with. Like, how do you identify yourself with God? Like, what, what are the things that make a good Christian? What makes the right kind of Christian and stuff like that? And his big push-up, right? Because, like, people are going, well, are you circumcised or are you not circumcised? Like, is are you following the original Torah or are you starting off something new? How do you identify as a true Christian? How do we identify people in this new movement? And you kind of hear him frustrated in this, right? Like guys, remember, like don't get tired of, of investing in your relationship with God, but like we need to watch out what we're doing here. Like there are guys that are like hardcore pushing for this agenda. And this is how you're going to be identified and still part of God's promise and kingdom and stuff like that. 
And we're just seeing this effort of like, well, it has to be off of this and off of this. And he goes, if you want to, if you want to do this off of human effort, okay, then that's fine. Let's do this. Let's do an evaluation right here. And so he, he follows it here in Philippians three verses, uh, five and six. Okay. I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I am a pure blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew. If there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was a zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without flaw, like without fault. So he, he's just like, yo, man, if you, if you want to talk about rep, like all you are nada. Y'all just lightweights compared to what I throw down. Like, don't even go there. But here's his follow-up. Because he's like, I could easily identify on everything that I do and say and all this and like followed all the strictest laws and stuff like that. And I would be amazing. But this is what he says in verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, <laughs> falls in verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can, so that I could gain Christ. And then verse 9, and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Guys, I, I want to level with you here, okay? We, we kind of like made this light version. Like when you're reading this translation, it's acceptable. When, when Paul is using garbage here, like I consider them worthless, uh, he, he's not really saying garbage. He's saying like a curse word, like our equivalent to S-H-I-T, right? Like he he's swearing in this letter. Like it is absolute junk. Like it is, it is gross. It is degrading. It is disgusting. It is not even worth my time. Even thinking of it is just like, why did I even care about this? Like that's just so, that's like, you know, like he, he's throwing it down. He's just like, why are we even caring about this? Because again... For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting as garbage um, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. him. It's all junk compared to our relationship with God, our affiliation with Jesus, the whole identity of being a Christ follower. Now let's follow up in verse 10 and 11. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Like, he is so, so focused, going like, guys, guys, I've been trying to do this on the things that you are trying to do. It's junk. Don't even, don't do it. It's useless. It's, why, why focus on it? It's not going to get you anywhere. The thing that I'm focusing on here, guys, is there's Jesus. He's all I need to focus on. He's the need, He's the one I need to be affiliated with, the connection, to the point where 
when people look at me, they see Jesus. When when people think of me, they think like Jesus. And this is where my favorite favorite prayer. Okay, I'm gonna bring it down. And this is uh this is from from an awesome church woman uh, at my church, uh, Marnie Yates. I don't think you're ever gonna be watching this, but if you do, shout out to you. So the St. Patrick's breastplate, and of course I'm Irish, so I gotta I gotta rep up a little bit. Sorry if that rubs you the wrong way there, Solomon. Um, but I gotta get my Irish heart out here. Um, here here here's the thing. It's it's the last segment of of St. Patrick's breastplate, and it's all about Christ is in everything that you do, right? He's with me, before me, behind me. But here's the final part. Christ in every heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of every one who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me and Christ in every ear that hears me. That's affiliation identity. That's removing yourself from the point. Right there, Patrick is saying, I don't want people to know me for me. I want people to know me as like that dude gets Jesus. In fact, he's repping Jesus so hard that it's like Jesus showed up again. Like that's nuts. And we we hold on to like today's society is so hard bent on your individuality, your your focus on who you are is who you are. And I get that. That's fair. There's some expression in that that's necessary because we are so different. And there, there is a need for sharing that with others. But really, when you're choosing to follow Jesus, you're choosing to say whatever that expression is, it's got to be what Jesus would be using in that expression. That if Jesus were sitting here right now hanging out with you doing a Twitch chat, that he better be doing, well, I better be doing what he would be doing. That you wouldn't hear Mike Wilson, that this is actually how Jesus would be talking. And that's my heart and prayer and what we do just in general. And that's what really the heart of prayer of any person who's following Jesus is to do in general, right? Is to, to just be Jesus. Because everything else I've done, like this all is junk compared to Jesus. It's useless. It could go in the trash. It would suck. But it's nothing compared to my affiliation, my connection with Jesus, because my life, my faith, everything who I am is all in thanks to God, to Jesus who died and rose again to take away my junk, take away everything that separates me from God and me from other people and does that because he loves me, because he sees me as an individual. But then he says, okay, let's go to work. You see yourself this way. Let me show you the way I see you. The way that we saw back here with Jacob. The way that we saw back here with Jeremiah. The way we saw God looking even at Paul, who was hellraiser against the church, going, that guy is going to spread the word to the Gentiles. You'd think of all the guys who would spread word to the Gentiles, it would not be the Pharisee dude. Mm-mm. Yeah, he's very smart. Yeah, he's very learned. 
But man, I would not send a Pharisee to talk to an outsider. That's a big no-no. And yet that's what happened. That's where we get all of our our New Testament letters to these different churches is because a Pharisee, a former Pharisee, is writing it to help people to get them to understand who Jesus is because that's all he can think about. That's all he does. That's his identity. He's no longer a Pharisee. He's a Christ follower in the biggest way. So here's my level of challenge to you guys. What are you basing your identity on? Are you basing your identity on things you've got? Are you thinking about, man, my identifier is my work, my job. My identifier is who I'm hanging out with. Is it the status? Is it the kind of income that I'm throwing down? Because if... If you are following Jesus, that's an automatic no-no. And that's really weird and really hardcore strict, but legitimately that's what we're seeing here is that your affiliation is with God. Your connection is with God, and God is the one who gives you an identity. Um, Revelations 3, uh, 3 verse 17 talks about how God... God has a stone with your name on it. It's like a seal kind of thing, but it's also a name that only he knows that he gives to you. I love that because, I mean, God's so freaking intentional on you. But it's in your connection with him that you are hearing that and you know you're pushed for, for a mission. Heroes have, yes, these different identifiers, Nightwing, Deku, Red Hood, but they're still heroes. They're still fighting the good fight. They, they, yes, are different, and their missions are different. And even in their names, it gives that difference of what are they fighting for or fighting out of. But they're still fighting that same fight. So again, what are you basing your identity on? What are you affiliating yourself with? And I will ask this, if you aren't following Jesus... Is it worth it? Is it really enough for you? And it sounds like a hard call out because it, it kind of is. I'm calling it out because this is what Paul's throwing down in Ephesians, uh, or not Ephesians, in Philippians 5 and 6. Like he's, he's sharing. If by all means that's worth it, then I should have been just living on that. Like he had it. To the Jewish people, he'd be like, dang, you got it all together. You figured it out. But what does he say in verse 7? I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. It's when you know Christ and that identity and what he's done for you and where he's willing to go for you, and not just in the benefit of you, but then, then how that impacts the people around you. And he he pushes a bigger drive, a bigger perspective in your life than just you, but then how that impacts other people. Oh, man. It makes a difference. It's huge. It's, it's a whole other level. And that's what Paul's throwing down here. And so then this is my follow-up to you. Maybe if you, if you are not too sure about this whole thing with Jesus and like getting identified with him 
is your identity surpassed from you as an individual to the point where it has impact with people on a larger scale? And I ask that also for people who are following Jesus. If you're following Jesus, are you so hyper-focused on sometimes even just like, well, I just need to be fine in my own like bubble and faith and stuff like that. No, like your faith impacts people around you because that's what Jesus does. Yes, Jesus had his time of solitude and his investment with God, but what does he do? He's investing in other people around him. He's pouring into them. Right? What does it say in Matthew 1 verses, verse 21 and 23? And she will have a son, and you are the name of Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. And 23, and they will call him Emmanuel, means God's with us. God is with us. That was his identity. To be with us, to show what God is like. That God has a heart for you. He cares about you. He knows who you are. Like in Jeremiah, he made you. Had a plan for you from day one. He knows what you are going to be called. And it may be changing that name that you were given at first to something that's going to better connect with you in your life. Are you willing to affiliate yourself with Jesus? Are you willing to ask him, Jesus... Do you see past this junk that I've made for myself that's not working? Will you tell me who I really am? Will you direct me in who I'm supposed to be? And then will you continue to encourage me, give me that perspective, give me that vision that you have? That I just focus on being like Jesus and what what he did and demonstrating that to other people. That my focus is demonstrating that every single day and giving the following the task that you've given to me. I want you to think on that. So those are your level up challenges. What are you basing your identity on or you affiliate yourself to? And does it surpass the yourself as an individual? Is it impacting other people? Because Jesus will impact both. I'm just saying. Take the challenge. Base yourself on Jesus. Hey there. If you are a fan of the content that's been brought to you in this episode, you'll definitely want to check out our social media connections. That's on Instagram, Facebook, and even TikTok. Just go to at GW Nerds and you'll be able to find all the stuff that we've been doing lately and all the fun stuff that we get to be a part of. But if you want to even deeper dive, you should join our Discord community. And you can do that by going to discord.io slash gwnerdsunite and be a part of what we're doing. Interact with us, chat with us on live uh, for our video game nights, for our Bible study nights, or even just to connect with fellow gamers, nerds, and what interests you. And if we want to take it even a step further, if you've got some ideas of, you know, what would be cool topics to bring up uh, down the road or have some questions on how your nerdum might connect to faith, we'd love to have your input there on our Discord channel, too, to be able to create the content for you guys, because this is what we're here for, to invest in nerds, to grow and level up together, but being able to grow in our faith and level up, too. So. 
Thank you again for listening. Hope you are having a wonderful day. Hi, I'm Seth. You may know me as Tawful Pie on Gaming with Tom. Thank you for listening to Graphic Word Podcast. Have a wonderful day.